If you're uh, joining us for the first time this morning, we are so glad that you are here. And again, we just want to extend a special welcome uh, to those of you that are uh, visiting with us for the first time. Maybe you've been away for a while and you're coming back or you're visiting from another one of Hope's campuses today. We are so glad uh, that you're here. We pray that you feel loved uh, and welcomed in this place. Um, Hey, if you haven't already, today would be a great day to plug in around here. I I don't know if you know, but just in the last week or so, Things are happening here. God, when I say God's on the move, I really mean it. It's not just a slogan or a tagline. It's the truth. And so today would be a great day uh, for you to plug in. If you, haven't, if you don't know already, um, there's a lot of cool stuff that God is up to. The other night, I'm driving home um, from one of our several baptism classes that we've done this week for some uh, parents that are having their young children uh, baptized, uh, driving home uh, from, from that class past our new building where so many of you, uh, hundreds of you have volunteered and served over the last uh, several months, realizing all the, the work that's been done, realizing that that exact same time that I'm driving home, passing the new building around the city, there are dozens and multiple life groups meeting around the city for, for meals and study. We've got uh, people at the same time visiting uh, uh, each other, uh, you visiting each other uh, in the hospital. We've got teams, uh, people, uh, dozens of you going through our core class uh, on Sunday nights, uh, going deeper in your faith. And that's just top of mind for me driving home the other night. So God is on the move. And folks, kind of just look around a little bit. Just look around right now. Just turn around, just kind of look around. That's what God on the move looks like, Right? Some pretty, pretty, pretty good-looking stuff, and, and I, we don't want you to miss out. So keep your eyes and ears open about what God is asking you to do today in following him, and I think that God is really asking you today, what do you want? What is it that you really want? Really, what are you looking for today? And chances are, if you stay close to him, you're going to find it. We're continuing our new sermon series today called The Jesus Tour. The Jesus Tour. And we've been, uh, over the next several weeks, we're literally going to walk through the Holy Land with Jesus as he experienced it, walking along just as if we were with his disciples, following him along these dusty roads of Galilee. And we're walking with him. Last week, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River and begins now his earthly ministry. And just before our scripture reading today... Jesus is getting ready to call some of his potential disciples in John chapter 1. And he asks them this question, what do you want? Jesus is asking us all that question this morning. What do you want? So simple yet so revealing of what's most important to us. And if you think about it, desire is built into us at a very early age. And Jesus is just now tapping into that. As uh, probably most of you know, we have a young man that lives in our household who uh, hasn't paid his rent yet, but his name's Caleb, and uh, he's he's 18 months now, and he is, we've decided the term is spirited. He is quite spirited. We're not short uh, on energy and passion with a toddler in the house these days, and Tiffany and I have actually decided that he's personally decided to take on Hope's vision statement. Do you remember what Hope's vision statement is? To be a spirited, growing, Christ-centered community filled with hope, right? So take the community piece out and insert toddler 
Uh, Caleb is spirited, he is growing, and if we have anything to say about it, he is a Christ-centered toddler. So he is personally embracing uh, this vision statement. And so uh, this past week, I was putting Caleb into his high chair uh, in the morning. We're both about half awake, and sometimes, just like all of us, he doesn't like to get up in the morning. And he's a little tired, and he's a little whiny, and he's a little cranky. And we're getting ready to eat breakfast, and he's nice and calm, but with every item that I try to offer him for breakfast, he just starts to weep uncontrollably and just wail and scream. And those of you that have toddlers, I'm sure know nothing about uh, them throwing fits uh, at all. But just hands in the air. He's throwing things against the wall. There's like yogurt stuck to our dining room wall. He's dumping his milk all over his lap so it looks like he's soiled himself, but it really, it's all whole milk on his lap. And I'm just wondering to myself, what is going on? Like nothing is working. It doesn't want to take anything. And one of the most frustrating things when kids are learning their words is uh, that we, as their parents, get confused about what it is that they really want. So finally, I just kind of hold him by the shoulders like this, and I just grab his cheeks ever so lightly, and I just look him right in the eye, and I say, Caleb Lee Annenson, what do you want? And he just has these tears streaming down his face, and he looks right back at me and goes, Nana! with big buggy eyes, Nana! And in that moment, my son made it very clear what his desires were. He would like a banana. And he proceeded to pound two full bananas for breakfast, okay? He's like shorter than this music stand, right? And he's, pull, he's, he's pounding these bananas, making it very clear from the earliest age, you and I are born with desire. Yeah? It's just built into us, right? Nobody taught us that. But he was making it very clear, Dad, this is what I want. I want a flippin' banana, and he's making it very clear. If you want to get to know someone, instead of giving them what you think they need, it might be smarter to ask what they want. Ask them what they want. And that goes for raising a toddler, and that also goes for growing in our faith as well. It turns out Jesus knew this better than anybody else. If you have your Bibles, make sure they're open to John chapter 1, and that's where we're going to be for the majority of today. Jesus is tapping into this reality of desire that's inside of us, and we're going to start at verse 35 there in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 35. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you need some help, you can elbow the person next to you, just not too hard. The following day, John, uh, this is John the Baptist, was again standing with two of his disciples. Verse 36, as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two, two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. So if you remember, John the Baptist's role was not to attract people to himself, but to point people to Jesus, who was... The, the real deal, right? The, the main act. And John the Baptist is kind of like an opening act in a rock concert, right? His job is to say, you excited? You excited for the main act? You excited to meet Jesus? And that was John the Baptist's role, to point people to Jesus. And so there's a bunch of hype and excitement around Jesus coming to town. So when these two potential disciples spot him, it's almost like a celebrity sighting. I mean, think about your favorite music singer, your favorite rock star, your favorite band, your favorite athlete, whatever that is, and you are just walking down the street one day, and all of a sudden, you see them. 
Are you just going to go, oh, hey, how's Michael Jordan? Okay, back on, you know, like, you know, you're not going to do like, oh, there's Bono, right? This is a big deal, right? So they spot Jesus. They've heard about him. He is a rock star in the making. He's gaining popularity. There's a lot of buzz. There's a lot of energy and the momentum. So it's like they pass Jesus on the road. They see him and they're running to catch up with him. Okay, so we pick it up in verse 38. Jesus looked around and saw them following. And the very first thing out of Jesus' mouth is, what do you want? He asked them. And they yelled, Nana! No, I'm just kidding. Wrong, wrong story. What do you want, he asked them. Now, this is a perfect example of how depending on how you read the Bible will very much impact your understanding of this story, okay? If you read the Bible monotone with no expression and paying attention to Jesus' personality, you might get the wrong idea. This could really throw you off. Jesus potentially could come off as quite the jerk in this story, right? He's got some people following him, right? Jesus is a celebrity. Celebrities often get annoyed when people are trying to run up to them and get their autograph, right? So these two guys are running up to Jesus, like, yo, would you sign my forehead? You know, whatever, you know, they've got their autograph thing, they're, they're ready out. And, and you could mistake Jesus for turning around and saying, what do you want? Right? If you read it that way. But if we learn anything about Jesus' heart in the Gospels, this is the first among many encounters where he asks a simple question that really cuts right to the heart. So instead of annoyed Jesus turning around, imagine Jesus turning around, looking you in the eyes this morning. You know those eyes that can see right into your heart and ask, so what do you want? Boy, that changes the whole thing, doesn't it? In other words, right now, here, today, this morning, what are some of your deepest desires in life? It could be big things, it could be small things, it could be seemingly insignificant things. What are some of the things that you would say, I want that, <laughs> I long for that, I desire that? So do me a favor right now, take your bulletin, and on the back there's a little place for notes there, and grab that pen that's either on your chair or under your chair, and I just want you to take a minute and I just want you to jot some things down as we continue here. And it may come to you as we go throughout the sermon. What do you want? If Jesus just walked in here this morning and said the exact same thing that he said to those disciples, and he looks you right in the eye, what do you desire in life right now? Just no filter. Just write it down. Because probably what comes to mind is the truest thing about you. Okay? Don't overthink it. Don't overanalyze it. What do you want the most in life? Remember, this is God who's asking you this question, so he's capable of anything. What you write down is going to reveal your heart. And I think that's what Jesus is after anyway. He's not really interested in giving you a new religion. He's after your heart. What do you want this morning? Could be one thing, could be many things. What is that? What does that look like for you? Now, I know that in a room like this, there's uh, potentially a lot of different answers. Just doing some interior decorating up here, don't mind me. There's probably a lot of different answers. For some of you, if you're honest, I would imagine what you really want is to know when will the sermon be over? 
right? So that's the first question. Uh, depending on if you are a football fan or not, some of you would like to know why the Vikings keep losing to the Packers, right? So I don't know, right? So we're, the Vikings are in question. So we've got those taken care of, but for others of you, I would imagine, I'm not going to have you yell them out, this is between you and God, I would imagine that for some of you, the deepest longing on your heart this morning is to find a place to belong. You're church shopping, or whatever we call it these days, and you're just looking for a place to belong. One of the deepest human needs is to connect with others. Maybe that's you this morning, but for others of you, it's, it's belonging. For some of you, it might be you long for greater intimacy in your marriage. Or maybe for you, the deepest longing of your heart is to find that special someone and connect with them. What do I really want this morning? It, it's intimacy, it's connection. Maybe it's that relationship. Maybe it's simply friendship. I could spell. I don't know what it is for you this morning. What would you put on your list? What do I really want, you ask? Well, I'm not going to have you shout out Nana, but with that same passion and energy, I have to believe if it's little bottled up inside little Caleb that there's some things that are bottled up inside of you, and instead of yelling, Nana, your heart is yelling this morning, I'm so tired of being alone. Yeah, just like that, right? I'm so tired of being alone. I have so much stress. I'm so tired of worrying about everything every day. I just want to be free of this ugly habit. Man, I long for a new job. I wish my kids would start behaving the way that I want them to. I want to start a family, but we can't. Desire is right at the center of our lives. For many of us, I'm guessing that all of us have a desire for a greater sense of God's presence in our lives. I've never talked to any of you that haven't said, I want more of Jesus. And maybe for you this morning, you're feeling dry, you're feeling disconnected. And that would certainly be true of these early disciples. They respond to Jesus. Jesus turns around in the story and asks them, and he asks us this morning, what do you want? And what do they say? Look again back at the story. They say, Rabbi, to Jesus, which means teacher, where are you staying? In other words, they're biblical stalkers. No, I think it means, in other words, Jesus, we're hungry to know you. We're hungry to follow you. And where you go, we will go. But I'm guessing that they were a little bit more than just crazed Jesus groupies. Because Jesus saw the deeper longing behind their question. I think they want their lives to count for something. They wouldn't be chasing after Jesus. They wouldn't be running after this rabbi unless they have a lot of the deep same longings that you and I have. I want my life to matter. I'm tired of just kind of going through the motions. I want meaning. I want purpose. Maybe you've been following Jesus your entire life and there's still that gap in your life between who you are and who you long to be. So just like these two disciples, 
There is this person that we currently are. Let's say that's you over here. There is your current circumstances. This is who you are. This is your current reality. This is your family. This is the lot that life has given you. This is the pitch that you've received. And you're standing there at home plate with your bat, and this is what's coming your way. This is who you are. This is the life that God has for you. And then there's this place that we long to be. I mean, add your desire to the list. What would that be? Yeah, the cheesy, funny ones too, but really, if you have a pulse here this morning, you have desire. And the problem is, from a very early age, we don't like how long it takes to get from here to there. And this journey seems way too long. And the problem is, is when this journey from where you are and whatever the not yets in your life are, this happens in God's time and not our time. And that's where the struggle comes in. And then we get stuck and we realize this journey never goes as fast as we want. And not every hunger we have can immediately be satisfied. The world likes to sell us this idea every day that it can be. That, but what we realize is that it's just one more quick fix and then you and I are still hungry the next day. The problem comes when the speech that we've received in college that says, if you follow this plan, right? How many of you got this speech? If you do this, this, and this, then your life will be like this. How many of you right now are doing what you thought you'd do when you were 18? There's a lot of twists and turns in this road called life, and the desires that we have can seem so far away, and yet they're still there. We can't ignore them. Even as Christians, we discover following Jesus hasn't necessarily made life easier. And so we're faced with this reality, and I think it's beautifully captured in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Let's throw this up on the screen. Let's read it nice and loud together. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Man, how true is that? A longing fulfilled is a tree of life with fruit coming off of it and you can see change and you can see growth in your life and all of us want that. In the land of fulfilled desire, writer of Proverbs says, it's like a tree of life and we want that. We want to get there and whatever that longing for you is today, we're faced with the reality of being here and we want to be there. Just like those early disciples that encountered Jesus, there is a gap between who we are and where we want to be. And when we face that gap and this journey, which for some of us, this is a short journey, and for some of us, those unmet desires take our entire life to meet, I believe that we're faced with three choices. There's three ways to go through life when you're here and the fulfillment of your desires is over there. There's three different ways that we can respond. Number one, first, I think we can just grow bitter. We can grow heart sick, as Proverbs says. Decide that, well, God just isn't listening, God just doesn't understand, and life is a problem to survive. And that's the mentality, that's the posture that a lot of you are walking through life with right now. If I can just get through another day, life is terrible. How could God do this to me? He just doesn't understand. 
So we can grow bitter and we can grow jaded. Secondly, or just as worse, another way of getting from here to there is that we decide, oh, I'm an adult, I'm mature, I'll just figure it out on my own. I can do this. I don't really need God. I, I know what I want, and I'll just do my, things my way. I'll just do things with my schedule and my priorities, and I'll just figure out how to get there on my own because certainly God has not come through in delivering what it is that I most desire, so I'll just do it my way. I've heard it said this way. Worry is not believing God will get it right. Bitterness is believing God got it wrong. Chew on that one for a second. Worry is believing, is not believing that God's going to get it right. Bitterness is believing that God got it wrong. So we can grow bitter. We can figure out how to just do life on our own without him. Or we can take Jesus up on a third option. Verse 39. Look back at the story. Jesus says, don't grow bitter. You don't have to figure out life on your own. What does he say in verse 39? Come and see. Might be three of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying over at the Holiday Inn. And they they remained with him for the rest of the day. They remained with him for the rest of the day. In a consumer culture with, uh, uh, full of immediacy and a message to all of us every single day of get what you want and get it now, Jesus offers this radical challenge to us that want to find meaning and purpose in our lives. He simply says, come and see. He simply says, follow me. Not here's seven steps to a better life, no sales pitches, no empty promises, two promises, Jesus says. Number one, I will be with you. And number two, you're going to find what you're looking for. That's it. Those are the only promises. When I read scripture, this side of heaven, Jesus says, I will be with you, and you're going to find what you're looking for. It may not be what you originally thought that you needed or wanted, but Jesus says, I'm going to give you the kind of life that you're looking for. Those are the two promises Jesus offers to us. And notice that Jesus doesn't say to these early disciples, well, what he does say, and later on to Philip, is is follow me. When Jesus calls us to follow him, he's not promising us all the answers. He doesn't say it's going to be easy, but he does say that you need to stop seeing life as a problem to solve and start embracing the adventure of the journey from here to there. There was a author named Paul Coelho that wrote a book called The Alchemist. Maybe some of you have heard of it. It's a very interesting book, and it tells a story of a young man's journey from here to there of getting his desires met. And one day it's written, the main character's name is Santiago, and it's written of him. I just came across this week. I I think it's profound. Maybe it describes you as well. As he mused about these things, he realized that he had to choose between thinking of himself as a poor victim or as an adventurer in a quest for treasure. That I gotta, we got to decide at some point in our lives, <laughs> am I the victim of a thief? Or am I going to start to see this long, windy, crazy, mysterious, difficult road as an adventurer? And the chapter ends with Santiago saying, I'm an adventurer. 
looking for treasure, he said to himself. And I wonder if that's the choice that Jesus sets before us today. You can look at all the not yets in your life, whatever you would put up on that board, and simply assume that the world is out to get you. You can be a prisoner to your past, or worst of all, you can quit desiring, which I've met people that have lost heart. Or you can take up Jesus' call to be an explorer on this wild ride and take a step of faith today. Take a step of faith. Do something crazy and give it all to Jesus and surrender it all. Take a step of faith. That's exactly what a guy named Benjamin Mee once did. And this is a real guy. And this movie came out several years ago called We Bought a Zoo. And that tells you all about what you need to know about the movie. They bought a zoo. And it's based on this real-life story of this guy named Benjamin Mee. And uh, he just experienced the death of his wife. So he has every reason, I guess, to be angry and bitter But he goes back to this quote that we read and he can see himself as a poor victim of a thief or he can see himself as an adventurer. He just experiences the death of his wife. He's forced to move forward as a single dad with two kids. And just like the disciples that day with Jesus and just like us, he's forced to either lose heart or become an adventurer. And as you take a look at these first few scenes, the first one, you'll discover the adventure that they're about to get into when they purchase their new house. And after that, it's going to roll right into the next scene where he's talking with his son and trying to explain to his son why it is and how exactly we take this leap of faith in our lives. Let's take a look. So Whether you're about to buy a zoo or you're learning how to talk to a girl, or you're finding your way in this life, the call of Jesus is clear. Take a step of insane courage today and follow. Not just attend a service once a week, follow. Not just live off the fumes of your past, follow. Not just slip in and slip out every single week. Let yourself be known and be a part of a family. Not just do the Bible studies, but actually surrender. Stop asking God to simply just change your circumstances and start asking him, how do you want to change me? God, how do you want to change me from the inside out? How do we get from here to there? Not bitterness, not taking things into our own hands. Walk with Jesus. Friendship with Jesus. Now, that's great, Pastor John. That's awesome. I am so glad that you have given us this oversimplified explanation of how to find meaning and purpose in life. Just be friends with Jesus and everything will be great. I should write a book. It'd be a bestseller, right? It's just that easy. Doesn't it seem too simplistic? Of all the ways that Jesus could respond, why is it just come and see? These disciples have all these questions, just like you came here this morning with questions. He's God. He could answer, like, when were the dinosaurs here, right? And is Elvis still alive? And all these things, right? He could answer any question they have, and instead Jesus just responds with, come and see. And yet we say, I want to see now. I want to get my fulfillment now. I need the answer now. I need to get there now. So why would Jesus just say, come and see? For that very reason. Because Jesus knew 
how easy it would be for us to fall in love with the gifts instead of the giver. And you're never going to find meaning and purpose in life if you're always running after the gifts and you refuse to walk through life with the giver. That we start to to think that God's number one purpose in our life is to give us everything that we want in our timing. That all, the only thing that matters is the prize. The only thing that matters is getting there. That we miss the entire journey. We miss the entire ride. Why does God allow this space between where we are and what we most desire? Because he's after something much better. There's a story told of a brilliant brilliant man, an ethicist named John Cavanaugh, and he went to work with Mother Teresa for three months in Calcutta, one of the poorest areas of the world, to serve the poor. And he was seeking a very clear answer. He, he had had a lot of success in life, but he still felt empty, and so he goes to work with Mother Teresa to say, she's happy, and yet she has nothing, so what's your secret? And on the first morning there, he met with Mother Teresa, and he sat down at her feet, and, he at, and she asked, What can I do for you? A.K.A., what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And Kavanaugh asked her to pray for him. And she said, what do you want me to pray for? And he voiced the request that he had gone thousands of miles, come all the way over from the United States, and he said, the thing that I really want prayer for the most, would you please, Mother Teresa, pray that I have clarity? And with those kind and compassionate eyes, she looked right back at him and said, no. No, I will not do that. And he was kind of taken back. Your mother Teresa, you have to say yes, right? You have to pray for people. Why would you not pray for clarity? She said, clarity is the last thing that you need and the thing that you are clinging to the most and must let go of. Clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. When Kavanaugh commented that she always seemed to have the clarity that she longed for, <laughs> said, well, you're Mother Teresa, you, you always have clarity. She simply chuckled to herself and said, I've never had clarity, but what I have always had is trust. And so I will pray that you trust God. It occurred to me that on our list of desires, and maybe if I had all of you raise your hand and throw your desires up there, I'm wondering if one of the top ones would have been trust. Probably way down on our list, after our laundry list of everything that we think we need, we'd slap on trust. God, help my lack of faith. Why is God after our trust more than anything else? Why? Because he's much more than a Santa to give you what you want. He's a God who wants your heart. He's a God who wants your friendship. And what is every healthy friendship based on? Trust. What is every healthy marriage based on? Trust. So why would our walk with God not be based on not everything we think we need, but the one thing that is the foundation, trust, that you have always been and will always be faithful. How do we get from here 
to there, not bitterness, not taking things into our own hands, friendship with Jesus. Jesus even says himself, let's read this together, John 15, verse 14. It's up on the screen. Let's read it together. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus says, I'm not calling you servants anymore. I'm calling you friends. Jesus says, I long to give you the answers. I long to fulfill your desires, but they will never satisfy you apart from walking with me every single day. Jesus says, I could give you everything that you want and more. And you know what? Because we're fickle, we'd say, it's not enough. And we'd wake up the next day and say, I want more. And we'd say, it's not fulfilling. Which is why these prayer classes that we have coming up are so important. Prayer allows our hearts to be aligned with God's. So that our desires become his desires. True friendship isn't just about what we can get. Healthy marriage isn't just about what you can get. That, those relationships, they're about being together for the adventure. If it's that way in friendship, if it's that way in relationships, if it's that way in marriage, why would it not be that way in our relationship with God? So this past week, Tiffany and I sent out on an adventure of our own. And so back in August for our anniversary... It's our fifth anniversary, so I decided her to get her the most romantic, memorable gift that I could think of. What every woman secretly wants. Tickets to the folk techno hillbilly rock group named Crowder. Now ladies, I know that you're all swooning in jealousy over this, that we went and had a hoedown. But here's the truth. It has been, we've been following the David Crowder band since we were friends. 12 years ago, we went to our first concert. So when we heard that they would be in Minneapolis, we decided, that's our goal. That is our desire. Put it up. Where's my marker? Put it up on the board, right? That's what we're after. David Crowder band. That is the goal, right? Everything is pointing to that. That's what we want. And we are willing to travel to see the David Crowder band. So they're up in Minneapolis. So here we go. And in less than 24 hours, we go up to Minneapolis and back having fulfilled our goal, getting everything that we wanted in life and more. And so we're driving home and we're almost home and she turns and she asks me, so honey, what was your favorite part of our trip? And I start thinking, what? The concert, duh, right? The point of the trip, the goal, the prize, my number one desire, your number one desire, what we are after the entire time, that's it. That's what I really wanted. And then it hit me. Oh, the concert wasn't really it. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was great. My favorite part was the trip there and back. My favorite part was the dinner beforehand and getting to sit in peace and look my wife in the eyes for a few minutes. My favorite part was grabbing her hand and running through the rain from the parking lot to where the concert was. And then the trip there and back and just being together in the car. Huh. That was the best part by far. 
Suddenly the concert and the goal and the desire and the prize, whatever we wanted was put into perspective. It's still important, but it's in its place. And I wonder this morning, are you missing the adventure of a friendship with Jesus because you can't let go of what's ever out there? Later in the story, Jesus encounters a man named Nathaniel. Look back at your story, and this is where we'll land for today. Nathaniel is amazed that Jesus knows everything about him, and yet they've never met. They've never met. Pick it up in verse 48. Nathaniel says to Jesus, How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. How interesting that the fulfillment of our desires, the Bible says, is a tree of life, and where life has Nathaniel right now is under a tree. So maybe the key to life is learning how to live between the trees. The key to life is learning how to live between here and there because this side of heaven, we will always be in the middle. We will always be in the middle. And Jesus says to you this morning what he says to Nathaniel, I see you. Wherever you are on that spectrum, I see you. And just as he says to Nathaniel, he says, I'll take you just as you are. With all of your doubts, with all your fears, even with your apathy this morning to this whole church thing, even with your apathy, Jesus says, I accept you just as you are and I refuse to leave you that way. And you can keep going halfway with this Christianity thing, but Jesus says, I won't stop asking. I won't stop asking, are you going to follow? Are you coming? And that's what the character in this movie, Benjamin Me, finally has to ask his new best friend and co-worker, Kelly. She's, she's listing off every excuse in the book while, why running this zoo is just too big of a risk. Why would, you, why would you take this leap of faith? It's too risky. There's too many things set against you. There's too much going on. In this last clip, pay attention to the very end and listen to his reason for taking a leap of faith. Let's take a look. Why not? She's making every excuse in the book why this is too crazy, that he doesn't know what he's doing, and why he would choose the adventure over a safe and comfortable life. Why? Because it's worth it. And I don't know what that is for you today. And for some of us, this gap is really deep and it's really hard. But I do know this. Following Jesus doesn't make life easier. It makes life worth living. Following Jesus doesn't make life easier. It makes life worth living. And that's why, just like Kelly, we can throw every excuse at Jesus this morning. Why we shouldn't follow him. You know, this isn't really a good season of my life to get really involved right now. Jesus says, you coming? You know, uh, faith has always been a little bit more of a, a private thing for my family. So I, I'm not really going to go all out and go too crazy for Jesus. And Jesus says, that's them. This is you. Are you coming? Oh, you know, you see, I've got a lot of other things on my plate right now that are priorities in my life, uh, that filling up the schedule. Uh, I got to get the kids to their stuff. Work's been really busy recently. Uh, this whole church thing, I think, is just going to have to wait, Jesus. And he starts walking. He says to you this morning, You coming? You coming? Check out the prayer training, join a group. Join a team. 
Invite a friend to worship next week. Step up and start leading something. Follow me, Jesus says. And he's still on the road, and he's still walking, and he's still looking at you, and he's still looking at me, and he's looking us right in the eyes this morning and says, says, don't settle for anything less than me being the number one burning desire of your heart. Above anything else, everything else that's going on in your life, Jesus looks you right in the eyes this morning and says, are you coming? You want to find life? Follow me.